and welcome to my hearth. In the last episode, we talked about eccentricity and especially the bit that doesn't fit. And I wanted to take that a bit further by introducing the idea of Commedia dell'arte. As its name suggests, this is a, a type of theatre which originated in Italy. A lovely combination of comedy and the art or the artists which created it. I wanted to talk about Commedia dell'arte as the background to one of the qualities that makes us laugh. And originally, I was just going to do an introduction about it as part of an episode. But I realised that there was so much to say that it merited an episode all of its own. Now, the obvious first question about it is, what is it? Its heyday was between the 16th century and the 18th century. So if you looked at it at any one particular time during that couple of hundred years, it would look slightly different from other periods. It had its origins and then its establishment, and then of course it developed into something even more subtle and brilliant until its heyday. Like all great art forms, it comes from a variety of sources. It could go back as far as the Roman theatre, and certainly it included some of the street theatre that we talk about the jonglers and travelling players in medieval times. I'm going to keep it very simple, because my question is, what makes us laugh about it, and what effect did it have on comedy in general? For the most part, it was performed in the open air, and that, of course, gives it its various qualities. Those of us that have done open-air theatre will know that you can't always be completely subtle when you're in the open air. You need to attract attention and you need to make things big enough for it to register with people. It's a very different energy when you're in the open air than if you're in the confines of an intimate theatre. One of the origins that Commedia dell'arte comes from could be that of the idea of carnival. Carnival was a celebration that happened just before Lent. The last flourishes of a time of celebration before you went into the more sombre and contemplative time of considering your mortality during Lent. We especially think of the time around Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday. Shrove Tuesday was where we had pancakes because it was the last time that we were going to use meat products and eggs and milk. The last day of eating fat. That's why we call it Mardi Gras. Tuesday fat. Carnival itself comes from two Latin words, carne, meaning meat, and vale, meaning goodbye. So carnival just means goodbye meat. Important carnivals included the one in Venice, and at some point, people at that carnival started to use masks. 
And in the Commedia dell'arte, masks become very important as part of defining the character, as did the costume. If you were in the open air and at a slight distance, you needed to know who the characters were. If they were wearing an exaggerated mask and had a costume which highlighted certain parts of the body by having it padded or even tied in, then you knew who you were dealing with. The character and the look of the character become one. The character's voice also becomes really important so that you can recognise it at a distance, even when perhaps it's noisier than it would normally be when you were listening to a play. You can heighten the effect of what's going on by having sound effects. These were going to be created by using percussion. And also music and dance become really important. It becomes part of the entertainment, just as a fight would, or some slapstick. Slapstick, by the way, was originally, literally, two sticks put together, affixed together, so that when you hit someone with them, it made a noise. If you slapped someone with the stick, it made a comic noise. We've already mentioned British pantomime, as part of our talk about the morality tale, but obviously Commedia dell'arte and slapstick is another element of it, and it's not unusual when you see a pantomime that there are sound effects when the business is happening. So we've got stock characters who are recognisable by the way they look, the importance of voices, music, dance and the noises, the percussive noises, which punctuated the business. We're going to look at the influence of the characters from Commedia dell'arte in later episodes, but I did want to mention some of them now. I love one of the definitions that someone gave Commedia dell'arte, so I mention it now uh, with no apologies for stealing someone else's idea, when they talk about it being normal people with the volume turned up. We talked about eccentricity last time, but imagine that if you had an eccentric quality and you had taken it to its limit. That supersized eccentricity is what helps define your character. I'll give as an example Il Dottore, the doctor. Medicine in the Middle Ages was not quite as exact a science as it is now. People had some very strange ideas about the origins of disease and also were very often influenced by the idea of an imbalance of humours. You have an imbalance in your body you have a fever because your blood is too hot or too violent, and so therefore the best way of dealing with it was to bleed you to find some way of taking the blood away. Now, in reality, if the reason you were poorly was that you were anemic, getting rid of your blood was not a particularly good idea. 
People often prayed for miracles when someone was ill, but one of the things really they had to pray for was that they would survive being treated by a medieval or renaissance doctor. Some of the potions and lotions they used in the healing process were of themselves highly toxic and poisonous. The idea of giving you something to make you sick or to make you go to the toilet is not always the right move to make. It made the Renaissance doctor an absolute choice for a comic character. Remember, this is going to be a character with the volume turned up. So the Commedia dell'arte il dottore was obsessed with bodily functions and with inserting various things into orifices. Often with disastrous and, should I say, wind-inducing outcomes, adding to the humour of extra sound effects. The doctor would speak in medicinal gobbledygook, and all of us have had to deal with people speaking in a way that we just don't understand it because it's too highfalutin, means that that adds a level of humour and a, a layer of complication to the character that we all enjoy. We relish the stupidity of the language. Moreover, when someone sets themselves up as an expert, we want to see them get their comeuppance especially when we know that underneath it all they're not very good at their job, although they're pretending to be so. Now I've mentioned several times the idea of the characters being like normal people but with the volume turned up. Also there would be exaggerated props for the Doctor. If he's dealing with a syringe, it's going to be the biggest syringe that you've ever seen. Not only does it add to the humour, but it also makes it very clear when you're outside and having to deal with difficulty of sight lines, you can really see what's going on and your imagination can run riot as a result. Now, like all the characters in Commedia, the Doctor might have set routines that had been very carefully rehearsed. A bit like in the modern day theatre, where you would rehearse the fights separately so that they would run both safely and securely and like clockwork without it having to be improvised on the day. So although there was quite a lot of improvisation in Commedia dell'arte, once you hit a section of a routine, it would have been rehearsed separately by the actors. When I was first looking at writing pantomimes, I was really surprised to discover that certain routines had a name and all of the old pantomime actors would know what that routine was going to be. They would have their version of it and they would perform it in any pantomime that they happened to be in. Now, in the modern theatre, we call these routines business, 
but in Commedia dell'arte, obviously, it's going to have an Italian word, which is Lazzi. And some of the Lazzi became so famous and important that it was actually published in books so that people setting up a Commedia dell'arte team could see it and make use of it. Actors became associated with playing various Commedia dell'arte characters. Some of them we recognise very strongly because of the effect they had on Western European art. Characters like Harlequin and Columbine wearing their costumes covered in different coloured diamonds. Piero, who is the clown who wears white with a black hat and pom-poms, black pom-poms, all down the front of his costume. Now we've said that Commedia dell'arte was initially an Italian concept performed in the open-air squares of Italy in various towns. However, because these troops could travel anywhere, it starts to spread, especially in countries that have warm summers. However, and I didn't know this until very recently, Commedia dell'arte troops travelled as far north as Moscow. But we do associate them much more with Italy and France. We know that they did visit England, but again, because of the vagaries of our weather, they weren't always as popular as they were in the warmer climates. The freedom that they experienced in these areas would be a bit curtailed if they were dealing in a country that was very cold and they had to be inside. It was essentially an open-air theatre. Now I want to continue with what makes us laugh from Commedia dell'arte next time.